Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. What's going on, movie fans? Welcome to another edition of Anatomy of a Movie, where we are talking about inheritance. And we have really special guests. We're going to get into it. But first, I'm Ryan Nelson, senior producer at the Popcorn Talk Network. And I'm joined by my co-host. He's the host of Quarantine with the Stars. He's on Motherland Fort Salem. He does some wrestling shows. He's a Bella's fanatic. He is Bryant Santos. Bryant, how are you? I'm doing amazing. It's bright and early 9 a.m. here. Well, bright and early for quarantine time, so I'm ready to talk about that. <laughs> uh, talk about this movie. It's amazing. It is amazing. And yet, bright and early indeed, because we have a really special guest joining us from London. He is not only associated with Inheritance, he's the director of this new movie. We have Vaughn Stein. Vaughn, how are you doing today? I'm very good, especially after that introduction. Enjoyed that. Thank you very much. I'm good. Thank you, mate. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, inheritance, y'all, just before we get into it, just a quick log line. Um, the film follows the patriarchy of a wealthy and powerful family after the father suddenly passes away, leaves his wife, daughter, and his son with a shocking secret of inheritance. And uh, daughter, played by Lily James, learns a lot of messed up stuff about her dad. It is a really fascinating drama thriller. Bryant and I watched it last night. We had some trouble falling asleep afterwards just because <laughs> we were all riled up from it. But it is a it is a ride, and we're just really excited to have Vaughn here to to break it down, talk about it. We're going to go from uh, the pre-production to just stories on set, as well as just our thoughts on the overall film. Um, Vaughn, I, I want to get right into it, uh, but, but first, we usually share just some thoughts on the movie. Brian, can I just get some thoughts from you first? Yeah. So like I said, this is usually not a movie I would definitely go to because I'm very, <laughs> very scared of uh, horror, even anything remotely thriller. But I was so happy that I tuned in. Um, I am a huge Gossip Girl lover. So obviously Chase Crawford just drew me in. So I was definitely here for that. Lily Collins, also amazing. Simon Pegg. It was just such a great cast great storytelling just in everything how it was weaved together the the cinematography so so great and then of course that big twist in the end that was what threw me for a complete loop so I loved it I was happy that I stayed all the way to the end even though I couldn't sleep after it but it's okay <laughs> I'm here this morning with you guys <laughs> oh my gosh yeah, it, it is a it's a wild ride and I have to say Simon Pegg in this movie man showing mm. like a complete new side of him we haven't really seen on screen before mm -hmm. and the body transformation mm -hmm. holy cow i almost didn't recognize him or i didn't recognize him actually i was like wait why does this guy look so familiar and i was like oh my god there he is <laughs> and i gotta i'm gonna ask Juan about this but like when we i was looking at the movie on 90b beforehand and i was like oh simon pegg's in this awesome i forgot he was in it 10 minutes mm -hmm. in yeah. and then when <laughs> we we go underground and you just yeah. see the long hair I'm like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, are we getting like an amazing performance by Simon Pegg right here? Um, it was wild. Vaughn, I just want to start it off right there. Um, I feel like this this movie, a lot of it, it kind of like lives and dies by who you cast in that Pegg role. Uh, as Morgan, who we later learn is Carson, what was the process in picking out uh, Simon Pegg for that role? I mean, he's just, he's hes an incredible, incredible actor. I mean, Simon's known, you know, as a world-class comedy actor, but he is mm -hmm. one of the most talented, brilliant, 
disciplined, hardworking actors I've ever had the pleasure of working with. And I remember I, I read the script first sort of mid-2018 and it, we'd, we'd sort of just done the press tour and for Terminal and um, Simon and I became good friends on Terminal and I just was reading it and, and it captivated me anyway. Like, you know, I, I, I love thrillers, I love genre movies and the fact that this was this sort of intricate, taut, complex thriller that at the same time had this sort of darkly satirical edge, you know, this this film that's about a skeleton in the closet, about the monster in the basement. And I think for me, the idea of finding someone totally unique to play that role, to play this sort of gaunt, emaciated man, um, you know, peering out behind that sort of lank grey hair with that, you know, voice raspy from disuse. And I thought, well, why not torture Simon Pegg and make this uh. trim guy lose? I mean, the, the, the physical transformation he underwent was incredible. I mean, he's he's a, a, a trim guy, as I was saying. But yeah, he you know he he slimmed off like fourteen kilos. We we talked a lot about the idea of what someone would do. His his character Morgan Warner, who's been locked in a basement on this family estate for thirty years. Thirty years. Um, thirty years. Yeah. So um, we sort of tried to. We tried to dig into the psychology of that because the idea of presenting him and Lauren and these other characters in what is a very sort of heightened thriller in, in a mm -hmm. very real and sort of a way that had sort of real emotional depth to it was really important to us. And we sort of talked about the idea of incarceration, the idea of what, you know, a, a, you know segregation does to a person, what it, how it, you know, what they do to pass the time. And we sort of came up with this idea of this sort of prison yard physique, someone who obsessively and relentlessly exercises and works out to pass the time to to just you know to 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 just engage in something that they can do mm -hmm. and you know what what Simon did was was incredible I mean you know that the shape he was in you know he was so wiry he was like just gristle and and like you know no fat on his body it was it was amazing and I think the thing is you know to, to fate and and I love countercasting. I love subverting an audience's expectations. And, you know, I, I enjoy doing that in Terminal and, and it's something I look for as a viewer in films. I love being surprised by seeing seeing an actor in a role I haven't, you know, necessarily seen them in before. And, you know, to do that, for Simon to lend that to us, but also for us to be able to engage with him as this incredible character actor was, was amazing. And I just think he did the most phenomenal job. Brian, I mean... Mm -hmm. Simon Pegg and he—he's no—he's no, he's no uh, stranger to dramas. I mean, he's been in Mission Impossible, Star Trek, but mm -hmm. when you see him in a role like this, um, like chewing the scenery, just like a master at work here, uh, mm -hmm. what was your reaction just throughout the film? And he's playing so many different angles as well, which just makes the performance all the more impressive. Mm -hmm. For sure. Honestly, like I, like I said, I was totally taken back because I was like, all I see is like Shaun of the Dead. And I'm just like, oh, there he is playing <laughs> like this, like amazing, like such a layered character um, with all these different levels of just bringing in Lauren and, and you know, basically like trying to persuade her to, to do the right thing. And he just played it so perfectly. I got like chills most of the time. Like when he, like he said, he was working out and he was like reading back the key lime pie recipe. I was like, what the hell? Like it was so like, it was like riveting. So I was like, it, he did such an absolute incredible job. Um, and I loved it. I, I debated opening the show 
repeating back the key lime pie recipe, <laughs> just like crushed up graham cracker, two two tablespoons of sugar. Yeah, uh, yeah. these are the recipe. I, I don't know how you don't know the recipe to key lime pie. I, th- I, I think I, I think I do. I think after <laughs> after yeah, because we shot we shot the bunker uh, schedule wise. We shot it first up and. Um, Simon used it a lot. It was kind of a mantra. I mean, it, you know, script, script wise, it is, it is a mantra. Again, it's that, that sort of obsessive, um, repetitious, the idea of a mind that's sort of frayed and, 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 you know, beginning to come apart at the seams and mm-hmm. sort of vocalizing that with this obsessive key lime pie mantra. But um, Simon used to kind of use it to warm up as well. So you kind of, you'd sort of just hear it like, wow. sort of, it, it, I, 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 I remembered we shot in Alabama and I sort of vividly remember it being in my dreams a lot. Like <laughs> The recipe, right. dreaming yeah. of key yeah. lime pie. Yeah. As I'm sure <laughs> yeah. it was in, uh, in that bunker. But uh, I wanted to just bring up, so just going, going out a little bit sequentially in the movie, um, there's a really fascinating opening scene here mm-hmm. with, it's a bit of like a rhythmic montage where we see mm-hmm. Patrick Warburton's character. He's like mid heart attack, and we're cutting from him to Lauren, um, back to the brother, and just and there's a breathing going on here, like an exhale, a rhythm, and just and this rhythm pops up throughout the movie. What was the what was the thought process with that? And and it, it just it automatically fills you up with anxiety, just like you're about to mm-hmm. hyperventilate. Um, can you just talk about that that, that choice? Yeah, for sure. Um, it, it came out of it's, there was there was something we we knew from the outset. Um, Christy Scheimek, the editor, and I uh, that we wanted to bind the two the two lead characters, the protagonist and antagonist, Lauren and Morgan, together. And we knew we wanted to sort of uh, have Lauren, sort of her life becomes infected by Morgan from the moment that she discovers him. Mm-hmm. So in order to do that, we sort of wanted to set up the idea of this parallel narrative, this this sort of interwe- this interwoven storytelling. So what we wanted to do with that opening sequence was, was firstly give the audience, you know, get the audience on the edge of their seats immediately and give them, uh, you know, a lot of cogent information in a really powerful way, first up. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had sort of three interweaving timelines and narratives. We had Lauren jogging uh, in Central Park because we New York is a, is a sort of very prominent character at the heart of this movie. Um, so we wanted to set the tone there. And then we wanted uh, the audience to understand that she was this sort of, well, well this kind of fierce, intelligent, high-end professional Manhattan DA, so we chose to weave it into a press conference. But then what we also wanted to do was was sort of very much subvert that by showing a really, you know, showing, you know, this kind of very, uh, quite, you know, quite a distressing, you know, sequence of of Archer Monroe, this sort of patriarch of the family, uh, played by Patrick Warburton, who's this, you know, very fit, very healthy, handsome guy, kind of, you know, choking to death, suffocating effectively and, and dying horribly. And, you know, we, we sort of wanted to create a, this, yeah, you know, we, we wanted to give a, a sense of, uh, you know, a sense of the film opening as it meant to carry on. It was, it was you know, it was, an, it was a statement of intent. This is a, we wanted it to be a sort of fast paced, dark fairy tale thriller. I think that's kind of, that's, <laughs> you know, you know that's, that's sort of what we wanted. And we wanted the audience to be on the edge of their seats and, you know, we're on for the ride. So that that's really what was behind that sequence. And 
um, there was an Ben Wilkins, the sound designer, and Marlon Espino, the um, uh, brilliant composer. They did they did amazing work. You know, kind of like that that breathing that you talked about. We we wanted that to be a very prominent figure of the design. You know, it plays a lot in genre movies in terms of horror and thrillers. Anyway, it's a it's a real suspense tool. That sense of sort of breathiness and, and, and what that can do, you know, the idea of the hair on the audience, the hair standing up on the back of the audience's neck. Mm-hmm. We sort of wanted to play with that very early on, but uh, Lily Collins, the amazing Lily Collins who played Lauren, Absolutely. which we'll talk about in detail more, mm-hmm. uh, we spoke early about the idea of her sort of very, her private and personal life and how in her pri- in her personal life, she's, you know, this fierce, you know, battle-hardened DA, you know, like the youngest in the history of Manhattan, who, who's like got a, you know, trying this huge case and she's putting on this, this, you know, she has the most amazing poise and presence naturally, Lily. She's got like kind of old Hollywood grace about her, but mm-hmm. she's also so emotionally real and she, she's, you know, she's got no vanity. She really goes for it in terms of the way she portrays vulnerability and, and you know, just character. So what we wanted to do was we wanted to show the discrepancy between private and personal. And we talked about anxiety attacks, about panic attacks and, you know, controlling the, the way that people control their breathing to, to sort of uh, to get on top of, of uh, a, you know, a panic attack, which is a psychological reaction to a physical, you know, to, to an external force. And so breathing, breathing was, was a very important thing and something we wanted to seed early in the movie. It's like that, cl- that claustrophobia you also feel throughout mm-hmm. especially when you're underground um brian i mean we should probably just move into lily collins mm-hmm. uh, yes who, who's just <laughs> phenomenal in this movie <laughs> for sure i'll sing her praises till the end she was absolutely incredible um she painted such a great picture like you said vaughn of just like this person struggling with these two these huge things in her life you know she discovers that her dad died at a press conference on such a public platform um and her life is on such a public platform as well being da so she portrayed that so so well of just having her life spread out in front of her and she thinks this is what the, the way her life is and then of course she gets hit with this brick wall of like that's actually not what's really happening you know so she was incredible i loved it and she added so many layers to the character of lauren and then she added she helped you know with everybody else in her her scene partners like she just I felt like she was so generous and she gave everybody else something as well because they, they just like bounce off each other so well, like with her and Chase or her and Simon, like it all really worked so well and it was so great. There, there no, was... thank you. I, oh, sorry. Oh, you're sorry. fine, you're fine. <laughs> I, I was I was just gonna, gonna say, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. It was inc- incredible, incredible what, what she did. And, you know, she's she's amazing to work with. She's She's really, you know, her and Simon was so disciplined in terms of, you know, they were word perfect every time, every time they came to set and, you know, the, the, the bunker sequences, we, you know, they were, they were intense and claustrophobic and cramped and they, they both came at it with, with this amazing intensity and, and, and real, you know, really playing the truth of the scenes, but then, you know, we'd stop rolling and they, you know, they, they loved each other. It would just disintegrate into laughter in this weird, like, bunker set that was full of smoke <laughs> and was really claustrophobic and weird but i mean lily what she what she did with that character you know like lauren monroe is you know sort of fiercely independent and she's you know she sort of eschewed all of this family status and money and she struck out on her own and we see in a sort of a series of flashbacks that there's been this huge falling out between father and daughter mm-hmm. you get the idea uh, you know very much that they are estranged um and, and what we really wanted to do was, was uh, what's the word? We, we wanted to really bring that to the surface. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, I think the thing 
the thing was that again, just to talk about that private and, and public, the, the public image versus the private vulnerability. You know, she goes through this awful tragedy. You know, her, her father dies suddenly and violently. And, you know, she's trying a huge case, you know, this sort of Ponzi scheme, mm-hmm. kind of Bernie Midoff um, case that, that her family's money is sort of beginning to somehow almost become woven into that becomes clearer sort of later in the film. And, you know, at the same time, she's dealing with this, Un, this unreal situation, this 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 awful discovery, you know, buried in her back garden is the darkest of dark secrets. You know, the family legacy that she inherits is this skeleton living underground, locked in there by her father, and she doesn't know why. And I think the way that she handled that, the way that she was able to, to sort of breathe so much truth into her character, but at the same mm-hmm. time, like, handle, you know, the thrills and the chills and the, you know, the, 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 the ride that inheritance is hopefully I, I thought it was amazing and she's mm-hmm. just awesome she's such a lovely person it was really it was a real pleasure to work with her she yeah absolutely great. and after we meet her the movie kind of it picks up right after that press conference which I thought was just such a good example of less is more like we just needed that one that one scene to really establish just how big of a character she is in the public eye and what's going on um, just like around around her and her family how, how big this family is. Uh, how wealthy they are. I also think, so from there, we get the lawyer pulling her aside after announcing the inheritance. There's something I got to give you one-on-one. I think the lawyer, it's Harold. And there's this flash drive. By the way, really cool looking flash drive. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Seriously. The rosewood, yeah. yeah. The rosewood was. Yeah, we very happy with that. I think yeah. I saw a stain on there too. Like someone might have uh, <laughs> put a little stain on it. Um, and just like a really fascinating video from here. Th- this was so so fun and 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 traumatic mm-hmm. at the same time. Just the discovery of the bunker going down and. The way Simon Pegg is just sitting <laughs> was so creepy. Like, you didn't mm-hmm. know. You're like, what is that? Is that a person? I can't even tell. All mm-hmm. the discoveries here are, are so... It's just, it's classic. It's classic horror. It's classic drama. And we, we learn more from there. I was just curious, Bryant, the first conversation that Morgan and Lauren have together, he's clearly dodging all the personal questions did you mm-hmm. have any idea <laughs> what was going on, who he might have been, or did you just know, you know, where there's something, there's something up with this entire family? Honestly, I, I had no idea what he was going to say, what he was going to do. Um, I was scared for her because literally, girl, like, she, of course, she wanted to figure things out, but I would have just ran. Like, <laughs> if I was Lauren, I would have been out the door, like, goodbye. Like, Which is what the brother would have done, he says later. Seriously, yeah, yeah that is yeah, very throwing away the key. For- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for William and Chase Crawford. Um, but it, really quick, I also want to bring up just like you mentioned the flash drive. What Patrick Warburton did with that, the flash drive scene, that was so impactful. Like you could, I, just from that like what one minute clip it was, you can tell like what he was going through. Like, like the layer of the fact that he doesn't have a great relationship with his daughter, but he's even doing more, making it worse by giving her this burden, you know? So it was just, for me, that really hit me so hard. I was like, dang, like he, you know, as the movie progresses and we see how how bad the relationship was, that flash drive really hit home with me because I was like, God, he was already an awful father and then he's going to leave her with the freaking, <laughs> literally the skeleton in the closet. Like that's like times 10. So it was really a wild skeleton ride. in the but basement. Yeah. In the basement, under the ground, like it was wild. 
but Lauren and Morgan for sure. I had no idea where that was going to develop, but I was just scared for her the entire time. I was gonna, I was going to mention that the, you know, just speaking of Patrick Warburton, he's get he's probably in the movie for like two to three minutes, but his presence is felt throughout. What was mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. What was the thought process with that, Vaughn? Just how much screen time you're, you're going to give that character because you don't want to give too much and reveal too much, but at the same time, he's such a central part of this whole story. Mm. Well, I, I mean, it, it's testament to Patrick as an actor that that mm-hmm. when we first spoke about it, I, I said to him, "I it's and and it it sort of it is so important that Archer haunts this film, like the the ghost of Archer sort of hangs over the feast, right? It's um." he's, you know, this this captain of industry, this sort of New York titan, this old money New York powerhouse, you know, the Monroe family of this sort of dynastical, you know, I mean, as Morgan says, you know, about the family, uh, a lawyer, a banker, and a politician, the unholy trinity. You know, Mm -hmm. they're a a sort of bastion of, of East Coast old money, wealth, and privilege. And he typified that. He personified it in, in such a, such a, sort of kind of, brilliant way i mean he's he's a he's a big guy he's in great shape and he's got this amazing sort of you know brooding physicality about him and of course it's more known for comedy like you know he's he's an incredible comic actor but you know he's got this 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 voice and this this sort of you know the 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 size of him it it really paid it like sort of created in archer this this really strong silhouette that was so important. And mm. there was, you know, these flashbacks that we did, it was amazing seeing Lily and Patrick together because the size discrepancy was amazing. And, you know, there'd be kind of, you know, in these in this like war of words, you know, that that, that, that Catherine, Connie's character, um, uh, Lily, uh, Lauren's mother was kind of splitting up. And it was the the impact he was able to have through through not that much screen time. Because mm-hmm. we wanted to make sure it was limited, and we we shot the whole scenes that were the flashbacks, but we were, we were we knew we wanted to pick very intense moments because memories are emotional, aren't they? They're based on um, they're based on the way that we sort of they're based on our slant of how we re, we re, we remember, and and so you know she remembers the the sort of bubbles of anger of, of she remembers the chess game, and then she remembers the the, the shouted conversation between her mm-hmm. about what she's doing with her career and her choice in relationships. And, you know, you get the idea of this rebellious daughter who and her father not being able to to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, as well as that, you know, as we discover, he's committed this incredibly vengeful act and locked this man in the bunker, fed him almost nothing and kept him in chains for 30 years. And then he passes on this sort of this dark inheritance to Lawrence. So, yeah, in answer to your question, I mean, it was so important to... For, to you know, to have someone like Patrick was invaluable because he's an amazing actor, and to lend that that gravitas to the role, you know, made it really special, which it needed to be. Was there was there originally more uh, scenes with him, or did you feel like this was just enough? Or you you, you were no, afraid I, to show your hand a little too much? No, it's it's a, it's a good question. We we were careful not to show our hand too much. The scenes that were written, Matt Kennedy, the writer, who did the most astonishing job. Um, those flashback scenes were something him and I conceived based on the idea of giving us ammunition in the edit so that we could show these bubbles of memory for Lauren. So because obviously the film is is very much sort of seen through her eyes. We very much sit on her shoulder and experience the world through her. We, we perceive the reality of inheritance through Lauren. And I think just having that, having those little bubbles of, 
rage and, and upset to, to play with in the edit was, was invaluable. Um, I, you know, he, all the scenes that we shot there are in there in some form with Patrick. Fascinating. Um, just moving along with the plot, and then Brian, if you have anything, feel free to jump in. But uh, the the twist. I think we got we got to get to this this twist. We're we're led to believe there was a car accident that Archer and, and Morgan were involved in, and they paranoia set in. They bury the body. That we learn that's not the case. <laughs> that, that's, that's half the story. Yes, uh, <laughs> it's really fascinating twist because it, it's at such a pivotal moment of the movie where mm-hmm. it's it's the climax it's it's the very end and there's just one little detail that kind of makes you re look at the entire movie and the entire scenario mm-hmm. it's a it's a tough twist to pull off um just were there any details you you were very we, we get we get those flashback glimpses but were there any details that you were very keen on on showing and then saving for the end specifically with the flashbacks yes um so what we what we wanted to construct was uh, was the truth the the truth and the fiction which which obviously play out in in reverse order so what what we wanted to do was set up with morgan um, the idea that he was a, re- a reliable narrator that you you sort of bought into his vulnerability mm-hmm. and, and aside from you know the the understandable foibles of being locked in a in a bunker for 30 years like you know that he was weak and emaciated and vulnerable he was a victim so he told he tells the story of this fateful night and um this poker game and this this you know sort of you know drugful dr- this drug fueled drive into the city that results in them uh, inadvertently killing someone and Archer deciding to bury the body and then realizing he has a witness and panicking and um, of then locking Morgan in a, in a bunker, you know, for where, where he remained for 30 years to, to preserve his secret. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was really important was, you know, in terms of what we told the audience, we wanted to set up a series of flashbacks um, that we would then echo, but in a, in a slightly, slightly different way um, at the end, when we actually realized that the truth, uh, the truth that is being told at that time by, by Morgan, who is now Carson, is the real truth, what actually happened that night. So we were very careful to shoot two sets of, uh, you know, sort of two sets of the story that had almost all of the same, uh, all of the same blocking, so that the characters were in the same places, mm. but they swapped or, um, you know, one was driving and then the other was driving. You know, it was it, it was sort of all those. Well, actually, that one's not not quite right, but you know, the 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 motive, the the positioning was the same, but the motivation was different. And mm-hmm. and I think we achieved that really, hopefully, quite really effectively. Um, but so much of that relied on the brilliance of Simon and Lily to set mm-hmm. up this this sort of this two hander in the bunker, this incredibly strange surreal relationship that begins to unfold from that first really tense meeting between the two the first time that he's conscious and they interact all the way through to her decision to release him because as as a as a wronged man and mm-hmm. the the way simon and i talked a lot about emotional manipulation and we we sort of reference uh, the we reference characters in literature and uh, literature and film like um, Hannibal Lecter was an example we gave. Mm-hmm. We talked about Jonathan Demme's incredible Silence of the Lambs and the way that I was going to ask Lecter's the able. There was so I totally yeah. saw that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's one of my absolute 
Stone Cold favorite movies. I unapologetically love it. And one of the reasons I love it and the, the probably the thing I take the most from it and what, what I fell in love with was those, those two handers in, in the asylum in, in, you know, between when Hannibal strips Clarice Bear, you know, just through this, this evil genius he have of being able to, to look at someone and, and cold read them. And, you know, he, you know, he looks at her shoes, looks at her bag, you know, smells air de Tom, you know, because she's used, uh, skin clear, uh, you know. Anyways, I'll, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll go on yeah, another yeah. film. But <laughs> it was it. just the it, it was that that was a that was a huge um, that was a big inspiration point for us for Simon and I. You know, the idea that Morgan, when Morgan killed, as, as we discovered, spoiler alert, Morgan uh, poisons Archer with rat poison. Mm-hmm. That's how Archer. That's where we meet Archer. He's choking from from poison. Um, and uh, we, we so he doesn't know who's going to come through that door. He doesn't know if anyone's going to come. It's, it's a massive gamble. It could be William, who would throw away the key because he's merciless, just like his father. Mm-hmm. It could be Connie, uh, Catherine, Connie's character, who he's wronged. Or it could be Lauren. He doesn't know. So he's an incredible strategic thinker and master manipulator. And he uses all of these different emotional states to... to you know, to play Lauren like a fiddle. Like, so, you know, at times he's vulnerable, at times he's insightful, at times he gives information, at times he begs, at times he's vicious. Whatever he needs to do, uh, he can become. He, he sort of can transform character. Tom Ripley was was a big influence as well, you know, and we talked a lot about uh, the talented Mr. Ripley and, and that brilliant Matt Damon performance. And, you know, they, they were, there was a, there's a sort of um, Machiavellian way about Morgan that we really wanted to lean into, you know, the way that he could be so incredibly manipulative. And and to sort of, you know, go back to the to the flashbacks, that that was a big thing. We, you know, Simon's performance was so terrifyingly, it was kind of heartbreaking, you know, telling the story about what had happened. But at the same time, it's like it's all a total fabrication, as we find out at the end. So yeah, it was it, the, the 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 twists and turns were were very carefully choreographed, um, and and I and hopefully they paid off for, for the audience. So mm-hmm. it's crazy. I would say to you that with with Simon, what I got with with Morgan especially was he was basically like an actor playing an actor because the performance of his like his trickery or what he was telling Lauren was so believable. I had no idea it was going to go south like that until I only realized when I pressed pause in the movie that there was like twenty minutes left. I was like, oh god, no, something else is going to happen. I know it's just going to hit the fan. So it was so believable. And it's funny you mentioned Silence of the Lambs because I don't watch horror, but that was probably one of the only horror movies I ever watched when I was five years old. And oh. I got that so much. Wow. So that's probably why I'm haunted to this day. But I totally <laughs> yeah. got that. And it was like, again, Simon just echoing his mm. praises. He's amazing. Yeah, I mean, he, he was, inc- and that that trend, that, 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 the transformation at the end when you suddenly see the ve- you know the veil slips and you see the psychopath you see mm-hmm. the master manipulator and you feel that that poisonous well of rage that's built up in in, in him for 30 years i mean it was amazing i mean the, shooting that 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 whole scene was so incredible because he was word perfect all of the connie was word perfect lily was word perfect we 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 would do seven or eight minute takes you know uh, you know with and, to be able to do that, you know, in that room, to be able to keep that intensity and that raw emotion, you know, like to run the whole scene through and to allow room for these incredible improvisations that Simon did, you know, as they came to him. And I'd never seen, you know, never seen him do anything like that as, as an actor. And it was terrifying. It was, it was amazing. 
gosh, he's so good in it. <laughs> he really mm-hmm. is. He, it, this is, it's such a phenomenal performance. Uh, just going right to that, the finale, um, right after all the reveals, there is such an amazing scene when the lights go out. This is before he, we, we find out the big reveal. And, but uh, when the lights go out and there's a phone flashlight and a gun, which I don't think we've seen really, like even in, in modern day horror movies, it's usually we, the the stand the flashlight. But we got the phone flashlight and gun, and you hear the voice, which I was thinking very Hannibal Lecter esque. Uh, just the the sound design of him taunting her, freaking her out, the paranoia was all coming to a head. I, just an amazing sequence. Um, mm. But but following the reveals, there's one last reveal that Carson Morgan says before getting shot, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is that I'm your goddamn father. Mm-hmm. I mean... It was our Empire Strikes Back moment. Exactly. 40th <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. anniversary yesterday. 40th anniversary, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, that, I'm a massive Star Wars fan, but that would have definitely... I, I was thinking Star Wars the whole time. Um, just... What and, and what a way to end the movie too, because you, you it's now a very it's, there's a moral quandary here where he's done this terrible thing. He is a rapist, but at the same time, he spent thirty years in this basement, and then he, he misled her. But he's actually his father. Like I, I thought, this was such an interesting way to to leave us with the movie, and we get that one great line from the mother. Saying like, your family, we look out for you. You're a Monroe, yeah. You're wow. a Monroe. You understand? Yeah. We take care of it. I mean, it was a, a, an incredible line from Matt, the writer, beautifully, beautifully delivered by by Connie. But I, I think, um, I think for me, like, firstly, like to to be able to hopefully to pull off that rug pull, that final twist mm-hmm. after this sort of series of you know this series of reveals, I thought was such a it was such a bold move when I first read the script. And I, I just thought, I really hope we could, I hope <laughs> I make a film that earns the right to do this. But I think what you picked up on is so interesting because I, we were talking earlier about this sort of, that sort of satirical prescient edge that runs through inheritance. And, you know, the idea that, you know, there's, there's a, there's a dubious morality anyway, but do you do what's right? Or do you, what's, do you do what's right for your family? Do you protect your own or do you do what's morally and, and legally right? And obviously Lauren as a lawyer is put in this and, and as a daughter is put in this awful situation. And I really like the the moral ambiguity of the end, the idea that you're a Monroe, you know, you are you're part of this family. Like we and the fact that they they bury that they burn the body, they destroy the evidence, you know, this is never to be reported. They they sort of they close it up and and throw away the key on it. You know, it's for me, I find that really interesting. And you know that. I remember very early on talking to the producers and to the cast about the idea of, you know, what is privilege, what is wealth and money and standing. And, you know, it comes up, it comes up time and time again, people doing these, you know, morally dubious things that they think they've got the right to because they've got a big bank account or because mm-hmm. they come, you know, thinking a family name gives them the right to, you know, or status or celebrity or whatever gives them the right to behave appallingly. And I think, to be able to address that subtly within inheritance, I found really, really interesting. Yeah, what I thought was so interesting about the final sequence of that big reveal was 
how telling it was of Lauren and Archer's relationship because it just rounds everything out perfectly because now you understand why he didn't give her the money. Now you understand why they had such a rocky relationship the whole time. So it was just such a perfect way to leave us on this note of like, oh my God, it all really does make sense. So I loved mm. it. Oh, thank you. I mean, again, that's a testament to, to Matt, the writer, and, and it was, and to brilliant performances. But I, I think, I think you're, you're absolutely right with that. I, I think the way, the way it sort of tied itself up and you, you, you were able to understand what seems to be sort of really despicable actions from Archer mm -hmm. because of what he'd gone through. And, you know, what Morgan does, you know, he, you know, he rapes Catherine. He, right. he drugs her at a party and takes advantage of her because he craves this lifestyle, this, this, this Monroe decadence and this, this, that he doesn't, he doesn't have. He's a street hustler who's, you know, kind of a beggar at the feast. And, I think the way that that was pulled together and, you know, the way it sort of made sense of various things that we discover along the way, I, I thought was was really interesting. And deep down, she's her father's daughter. You know, she protects the family. She protects the family name. It's that, that that's something I also want to bring up with you. This whole, there's this, this theme throughout the movie, after the inheritance is revealed, that she's only getting a million, the brother's getting 20 million. There's a few times throughout where not only the brother, but the mom's like, you're getting equal like we're gonna make sure you split it and consistently consistently lauren's like no i'm not i'm not doing it that's her taking after her father being she wants to be able to control everything just like he wanted to be able to control uh morgan in the basement throughout no, that's, is, is that's that what we were that's how i kind of took that is that what uh, you no, meant no, that's great i've never that's a, that's a totally valid interpretation um i think for me the way that i came at it was that she's so fiercely independent she's so you know as she says to in one of the flashbacks she says um i know exactly what it takes to earn your privilege um you know this idea that wealth is protected and it's a it's a privilege and you know that she just she she doesn't like what this stands for she wants to make her own name she wants to you know she wants she takes a job in public in you know as a public uh, in public service as a, as a da because she wants to do right she's you know, she doesn't care about the money. Like it's not for me. It wasn't. It wasn't about that for her. But your your reading is 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 totally right. She has her her father's her father's like you know stubbornness and and, and almost arrogance. And, as well. and now she almost has that same inheritance with her own family now. Where mm -hmm. I mean, th throughout the movie, she's the absent parent. Where like her dad was. Oh. Oh dang! I didn't even catch that. Oh, like she's becoming her dad. Oh, so many layers. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, no, you're totally yeah, right. Peel the onion. Yeah, no, you're absolutely. And, and that is absolutely right. That's 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 very much what what we wanted to do with that. And you know, as she gets pulled back into this this dark web of conspiracy and you know and, and these family secrets, it's yeah, it starts to it starts to fall about apart for her. This this life she's tried to build independently to the Munros begins to become rocky. We only yeah, have it's funny to bring that up, Brian, because the... Yeah, I was going to say, Brian. Sorry, really quick. Go for it. Yes, just wanted to say about your point. I oh. totally didn't catch that, but I see it. But what I saw from, from Lauren the whole time was just, like, take your money and shove it. Like, <laughs> she was like, if you're going to give me the one mil, you're going to give him the 20 mil, shove it. I don't need any of it. So <laughs> that's what I was getting. Mm. But I think, I think the... the... The, this is also testament to the brilliance of the ensemble. What what the cast were able to do to make to to make everyone you know feel that stuff. What Connie Nielsen, who plays Catherine, who's this you know this grieving matriarch, who's the real power behind the throne. She's the real reason that you know that 
the, 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 the she's the you know the, the the genuine leader of the family and Chase Crawford who plays William the you know Lawrence brother who's running for office and in his second term as a congressman and who has got this sort of slick politician savviness but at the same time he's got his father's kind of murderous temper that sort of comes to the surface you know these all of these themes and you know the ideas that that I think inheritance was was able to to create were, were only made possible by those amazing amazing actors we we only have a few minutes left and you know we are in quarantine right now there is there's a virus uh this movie will be available on direct tv on digital and on on demand today it's today, May 22nd. So, guys, you can stream this movie now, Inheritance. I just want to ask a few like last-minute questions. Brian and I will go back and forth here. Um, just about the I'm quarantine. not going anywhere. I'm like, I, I, I don't go anywhere ever. Talk to me for hours, please. Human interaction is what I crave. No, sorry, carry on. Likewise. Uh, just during the quarantine, have, have there been any, any movies, any series that you've been trying to catch up on? Oh, I've been, this is so, like, I've been, oh, dramatic play. Um, we, <laughs> so, uh, I've been, what have I been, I was re-watching Orange is the New Black, which I forgot was just so incredible. Um, Susan, sorry, this is going to grab the landline. Who is it? Um, so, give me one sec. You? you got it. Oh, they rang off. Um, yeah, I was re-watching Orange is the New Black and I forgot how incredibly, incredibly brilliant that is, which is quite nice to watch, you know, something that's so repressive and claustrophobic as, as a women's prison. And I've been, I'm friends, I'm embarrassed to say that Friends is my happy place. Not embarrassed, wow. proud. So I've been like re-watching Friends for like the 420th time. But no, I've been watching a lot of classic movies, actually. Like, I, it's been a while. I've been kind of revisiting some sort of old favorites of my of, of mine and I forgot how incredible True Romance was. I forgot how incredible Kill Bill was. I forgot I was watching the old uh, Hitchcocks actually that they've just come back onto UK TV. So I watched Vertigo and Psycho recently. Did a little Scorsese week. That was fun. Okay. A lot of time sitting in my pants watching films while my wife's been doing all the DIYs. Okay, I, I have one. Okay, it's just, and Brian, sorry. I, you can, you'll, I'll no, you're good. final question here. You're good. Just one Scorsese question then. Is there a Scorsese film for you that stands out among the rest? Oh, you can't. That's, I have oh, to. Oh, right. It's like, it's like Sophie's <laughs> Choice. Uh, that stands out. Uh, I mean, I am, I think Goodfellas might be, like, you know, people talk about perfect movies and they can be any genre or anything. I think Goodfellas is like a perfect movie. I could watch that anytime, any day. If it was on on TV and I was flicking past it, I'd have to watch it to the end. I love The King of Comedy. I think it's one of the most underrated films ever. Wow. Um, what else did I watch that I forgot was so good? Oh, Cape Fear. I rewatched Cape Fear. And I was like, this is, this is just... It, that you was about like, psychological suspense. Some Cape yeah. Fear and Inheritance. There is, there is. A, Brian, uh, yeah, any a little, final a questions? I just want to know too, like what, I know we're like, we're all in quarantine and this is all crazy. Um, are you working on anything right now? What can we expect from you when we get out of this craziness? I'm actually, I'm, I'm just finishing off. I mean, we're in post on a, on a brilliant psychological, uh, brilliant, a psychological thriller that hopefully will be brilliant uh, called Every Breath You Take, which is, uh, we're just, we've just, we're just finishing the mix at the moment. Um, and that is with Casey Affleck and Michelle Monaghan Sam Claflin, Veronica Ferris, and India Risley, amazing ensemble. Uh, and that's a real, a sort of taut psychological thriller about a bereaved psychiatrist and 
a stranger that calls and sort of gradually his his family sort of starts to fall apart. So it's great. We're we're really excited about that one. And, um, and, and I'm, I'm yeah, work. Oh, it's called every breath you every breath you take. Yeah. Got it. Amazing. So we just. I'm yeah, going to so check it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that. Yeah. We're 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 just finishing that, and then we'll uh, we'll see what's what's going on in the world and what we're mm-hmm. what we're gonna what we're gonna do with it. But yeah, very excited about that. Brilliant. Well, Vaughn, thank you so much for joining us on Anatomy of a Movie today. This was such a treat, and we we love talking about your film. Mm-hmm. Oh, not at all. An absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Really enjoyed it. You got it again, guys. The it's Inheritance. It's now available direct TV on demand and digital. Uh, so with that, we're going to sign off here. Brian Santos, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Santos, and catch me on AfterBuzz TV's Quarantine with the Stars. And Vaughn, where can people find you if they want to keep up with all the films and fantastic things you're doing? I can find me sitting on the couch with <laughs> friends. <laughs> I, I, I have no answer to that. I'm sorry. It's I don't know. I, I haven't... I, I uh, no, I don't know. I, I believe I believe that there's there. an inheritance right. social media that's at inheritance film, um, but uh, and, and guys again, it's on on demand. You can watch Terminal, Margot Robbie, um, and you can find me at Ryan Nilsson R Y N I L S E N on Twitter, Ryan Nilsson on Instagram, and all these shows, Popcorn Talk, um, doing Star Wars news every Thursday, 4 p.m. <laughs> again, back to the I am your father, uh, <laughs> guys. Thank you again. This was Anatomy of a Movie. Thanks for going to the movies. Thanks very much. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network.